Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we're talking about the uh, Pac-12 Players Unity Group, I guess is something we can call it. Um, we first kind of heard about this a couple days ago. I was tempted to do another podcast on it over the weekend, but then I kind of figured that I would wait this one out see what people are saying and what the reporters are saying about what's going on and then uh kind of give my chance a or, or my, give myself a chance to put all of my thoughts together and i think for the most part they're together even though we don't have as much information as we'd like to have but that's going to almost always be the case in everything we talk about um, and that's not a good enough reason to not talk about it. So uh, we're going to jump into that. And uh, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about much else today, if I'm being totally honest, um, because this is a huge story. And uh, it's also kind of interesting and will definitely be, in my opinion, kind of a turning point in college sports. But before we do that, uh, I want to tell you guys about Manscaped. Manscaped is a great company. They do what they can to uh, help men be their best selves. Uh, as I've mentioned before, it's beach season. It's time to get outside. And when you get outside, you want to make sure that all of your hair is in proper shape. You know, the hair on your head, the hair on your face, the hair below all that hair that people may or may not want to see. Some guys can rock the chest hair. Others, like me, cannot. Uh, and, and if you're more like me, then maybe you should be checking out the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped. Uh, because then you can just take care of all that and pretend it's not even there. Uh, it also helps with whatever other hair, but I feel like I've mentioned that part as well. Uh, the Crop Preserver is an incredible product. It saves your life in the summer. Uh, that ball deodorant. Um, and again, as Man Manscaped says, your balls will thank you. So if you guys want to uh, check out some products from Manscaped, you can do so at manscaped.com. And if you decide you want to order anything, use the code DNVR20 to save yourself 20% and get free shipping. Okay, so um, where to jump in here? So I'm assuming a lot of you have probably heard about what's going on, um, but just in case you haven't, or just in case you know you, you missed out on some of the details, here is a, a basic recap of what's up with the uh, Pac-12 Unity Group. I think we might just kind of stick with that, even though I think it was Nick Rolovich who was really mad at them, who started that name, but we'll get into that later. So, essentially, a group of Pac-12 players got together and said, we want a seat at the table and we want to talk to the Pac-12. We have things that we want to change about um, how the league approaches the coronavirus and the testing standards and those sorts of things as, as well as uh, working on social justice issues and uh, some some other things as well. And that was kind of the first report that came out. I want to say that was Friday night. It might have been Saturday morning, but I'm pretty sure that was Friday night that we heard that. Um, and at the time... Uh, somebody had tweeted, it might have been Pete Thamel from The Athletic, he's been all over this story, uh, Nicole Auerbach's been all over this story, um, and, and a couple of others, and uh, we're not going to dig too deep into who 
is what where until later on because there is some interesting stuff coming out from Pete Thamel. Um, this is a lot of foreshadowing so far in this episode. I got to stop with that. We got to just talk about what's going on. Um, so, But essentially that first report that came out, um, about an hour later we heard from one of the national college football writers that essentially there were going to be uh, double-digit players who would sit out if the, the Pac-12 doesn't listen to the demands. Um, that number kind of expanded to, you know, I, th- I think it was like a, some, a coach somewhere in the Pac-12 had told one of these reporters anonymously that he thinks that could be 100 student-athletes who could sit out, 100 football players who could sit out um, if this doesn't get resolved. Since then, we've gotten a whole lot more information. Um, We know now that this is essentially 400 Pac-12 football players in a group text, um, which sounds awful, um, if I'm being totally honest. But uh, that's a a huge number of people all being unified in a way that we haven't seen – um, student athletes been be unified a- across schools before, um, and that's really what gives this group so much clout is that they have this many players and 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 some very notable ones as well. A, a lot of the names haven't come out um, because you know th- there's fear for retaliation and there's alleged retaliation that's already under place at Washington State, and we're foreshadowing that again. Um, but again, we'll we'll jump into that later. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we stand. Uh, there, there is one other note, um, and that is that yesterday, Sunday morning, uh, that's August 2nd, the group of players published a essentially a, a mission statement and a list of demands in the Players' Tribune. The, the headline is hashtag we are united. We've seen that take off across social media. For the most part, the buffs have stayed out of it. Um, I believe it's in this Players' Tribune article that there is, uh, maybe it isn't, it's somewhere else, that there's a, a list of uh, contacts that's out for this group, for the media, um, to, to get in touch with. And I, I think it's eight or nine schools are represented. I think it's 12 total players, um, with the biggest name probably being Javon Holland, the safety from Oregon. Um, I have that Oregon secondary as the best secondary in the country, and you could make a, a pretty serious claim that Javon Holland is the best player in that secondary. He's a safety. He's a, a projected first-round draft pick. Um, he's a guy who would have something to lose, if we're being totally honest. You know, it, it, I doubt it knocks him out of the draft if he doesn't play this season. But you are looking at a significant draft hit. And, he, you know, that that first round, that end of the first round, if that's where he falls, five picks could be worth a million bucks. In, in salary. So that's a, that's a lot of money to be playing with. Um, but he's kind of the biggest name we've heard so far. Um, and, and there have been some other starters too, uh, who, whose names have come to come out. Um, as I said, no buffs listed as like the media contacts, which I believe is the only way we've heard people are a part of this group. Um, but there have been pl- uh, buffs who have been on Twitter using the hashtag. Um, you know, Mark Perry has used that hashtag. Uh, Makai Blackman has said that he won't opt out this season, but he, he kind of stands with this group. 
Um, we've, we've also heard one more. Uh, I want to say KJ Trujillo. One second, I'm going to check on that. Okay, yeah, I checked. It definitely is KJ Trujillo, but I did not want to get that wrong. Um, also, Jaron Mangum has tweeted like the handshake emoji and like a quote tweet of uh, the the tweet from KJ um, Chidobe Awuzie, uh, the former buff, sorry, forever buff, who's now playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he tweeted, proud to be a Pac-12 alum. Don't want to pay them like pros, then don't treat them like pros. Uh, hashtag we are united. Um, from there, you know, the more controversial stuff we'll, we'll get into in a second with Washington State. Um, hey, foreshadowed. Again, got to gotta stop that. But um, also Trevor Lawrence has kind of voiced some support. Um, Elijah Molden, um, a defensive back at the University of Washington, um, wrote a, a whole list of thoughts. Um, essentially, um, he he said, like, I mostly agree. I don't know that this is the right time to be asking for money, given the circumstances in the world right now. A lot of people just don't have money. Um, but the point is, and as he says, uh, he literally says, the point is, us players need to have our voices heard. We need to stand up for ourselves. Um, you know, this way we can actually see some change and implement procedures that protect us players. Then we can finally play some damn football. And Trevor Lawrence, it was longer than that. I skipped a whole bunch. But Trevor Lawrence quoted it and said, really well said, um, which is a big step. You know, that is college football's biggest star. And... If if he steps in here, then uh, you're you're going to see. I mean, I think there there will be changes to the Pac-12 and likely across college football. I think stemming from this, and those changes might be even bigger or even more widespread if Trevor Lawrence takes on a more vocal role here because he does have more power than a lot of these players. Um, uh. We're going to finish up this first segment by uh, talking about what exactly the demands are. And then I have a whole bunch of thoughts, which is what this podcast is mostly about. But uh, yeah, so uh, essentially the, the first half of, of this post in the Players' Tribune um, kind of explains what's going on. You know, it's to ensure future generations of uh, college athletes will be treated fairly we are united because ncaa sports exploit college athletes physically economically and academically and also disproportionately harm black college athletes we are united and rejecting the ncaa's claim that black lives matter while also systematically exploiting black athletes nationwide we are united um, and it goes on with a whole bunch of that uh, because we must have adequate COVID testing to protect our, to protect our health. We are united uh, because we are prohibited from securing representation while being asked to sign documents that may serve as liability waivers. We are united. Um, you know, informing alliances with college uh, athletes with other conferences to unite with us for change. We are united. Um, and then there, I, again, I skipped a whole bunch of those, um, but it's like that. It's the uh, you know. It was a very good way to do it, you know, when you just have like that congruent ending to the sentences like that, that rhetoric becomes a lot stronger and it makes it a lot tougher for it to come out poorly. You know, you, you, you're you doing something with your words. Um, 
Nobody cares about my thoughts on the rating, though, probably. But I, I will say that it was very well done, in my opinion. Um, the end, it says... Uh, we are united in our commitment to secure fair treatment for college athletes due to COVID-19 and other serious concerns. We will opt out of Pac-12 fall camp and game participation unless the following demands are guaranteed in writing by our conference to protect and benefit both scholarship athletes and walk-ons. And that goes through the demands. Um, there's uh, four sections. First is health and safety precautions. Second is protect all sports. Third is end racial injustice in college sports and society. And fourth is economic freedom and equity. Um, there's a bunch of stuff in here. Um, it looks like, what's see, 1, 2, 3, 6, 9, 10, 11, plus 6 is 17 total demands in here. Um, we don't need to jump into all of them, but we do want to hit the key points. Um, starting at the top, that the health and safety protections. Um, allow option not to play during the pandemic without losing athletics eligibility or spot on our team's roster. Um, prohibit and void COVID-19 agreements that waive liability. Um, they also want player-approved health and safety standards enforced by a third party selected by players to address COVID-19, as well as serious injury, abuse, and death. Um, they're calling for... Uh, Getting, I mean, it says preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures. Um, calls on Larry Scott specifically to take a pay cut. Um, and then they want those pay cuts to be drastic. They want pay cuts for administrators, pay cuts for coaches, um, and performance and academic bonuses for coaches, uh, and lavish facility expenditures and use some endowment funds to preserve all sports. Um, that That's a tougher one. But, you know, those are kind of the key points in there. Uh, they, they want 2% of conference revenue to be directed by players to support financial aid for low-income black students, community initiatives, and development programs for college athletes on each campus. Um, you know, they, they want medical insurance selected by players for sports-related medical conditions, including COVID-19 illness, to cover six years after college athletics eligibility ends. Um, they want the name, image, likeness. Um, so we kind of knew about that and that's probably on the way. Um, but, but then there's also distribute 50% of each sports total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports. Um, they want athletic scholarships to last six years so that, uh, student athletes can, you know, if, if they want to move slowly, they have six years to get their, uh, undergrad degree. But also, they have a chance to get a graduate degree if they decide that they can get their uh, undergrad in four years and then use the extra two on getting a graduate degree. Um, you know, they want to get rid of all policies that limit their freedom of speech. Um, they want to be allowed to participate in campus activities outside of mandatory athletics participation. Um Again, there's some of these things that's like crazy that they don't have right now. Um, they want to be able to complete eligibility after participating in a pro draft. If a player goes undrafted and doesn't or, and decides within seven days of the draft that they don't want to uh, go the undrafted route, they want to go back to school. Um, they, they want to be able to transfer um, one time without punishment. And additionally, in cases of abuse or serious negligence. And they want the right to due process, which, again, very, very fair. Um, so so that's kind of what's going on here. You know, the, the biggest ones, the ones are the, that are 
I don't want to say the most important because, you know, I, I look at things like the um, ability to have an attorney look over the waivers you sign, you know, look over the contracts that you sign with these programs. Like that is something that should be allowed. It's actually kind of messed up that it isn't allowed. But because those would technically be agents, you would lose your eligibility if you were to hire one to look over the things that you sign. You know, that's just one of the ways this is a broken system. You know, that to me is the really important stuff here. Um, but but the ones that are going to grab the headlines, the ones that are going to be the toughest hurdles to jump, uh, that's, uh, you know, you look at the distribute 50% of each to each sport's total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports. Um, that's the one that's going to, I mean, this is now a real battle. Uh, it's something that's going on and uh, it's going to be worth monitoring. I have a whole bunch more thoughts, uh, but that's going to do it for the first segment. We'll jump back in a second after this break. Uh, I, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Um, I've been drinking a lot of Breckenridge beers. Uh, I told you that uh, I've been drinking a lot of the Mountain Beach at the DMVR bar. Well, guess what? Uh, we are actually out of the Mountain Beach. We, we, we finished off that keg yesterday. And, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get another one of it soon. But I want to believe that I was a key contributor in doing that. Um, like I said, I've been spending a whole lot of time at the DMVR bar. And there are so many Breckenridge beers you can try there. Um, I'll be back there today. Well, I guess it's, what, 7.30 in the morning that I'm doing this. I'll probably be over there around noon or 2 or so. Um, if you guys are watching Nuggets game or the Rockies game tonight, or you need somewhere to go to watch it because of TV deals or whatever, that's, uh, that's a good spot. And I'm always there to talk Pac-12, and there's plenty, plenty to talk about right now. Um, but, yeah, if, if you do go, check out the Breckenridge beers. You can also pick them up at Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits down south of Denver. Uh, most liquor stores, grocery stores, gas stations carry them. But you can check for yourself at uh, the Breckenridge Brewery website, uh, which will tell you uh, where you can buy whichever Breckenridge beer it is that you want to try. Um, also want to give a quick shout-out to DraftKings. We've been having so much fun with DraftKings, and I want to give a quick thank you to the Avalanche last night for putting a bunch of money in my bank account. Um, guess who's paying rent this month? So that's pretty cool. Uh, sports are back, and, and that's why this has been so much fun. Um, you, you have full slates of hockey, full slates of basketball, uh, baseball. Um, it's not like the same thing where you, you wake up. I, I'm pretty sure today... There's like hockey starting at like 1030 or something, and it's going to go all the way through 10 o'clock tonight. Baseball, you know, is still like at typical baseball times, but that doesn't mean it's any less fun to watch. It just means you can't make a full day out of it, which is kind of crazy because that's usually what baseball is. Or at least it feels like it's a full day. Um, the local teams are so much fun right now, um, winning a bunch of games, and you should be making money off them like I am because, like I've said before, I like to pick with my heart and that just kind of like doubles my happiness, doubles my sadness. It's kind of a roller coaster, but it's a good time. Um, if, if you want to check out DraftKings, then, well, first of all, you're uh, making a great decision. But also, uh, you can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Again, the America's top-rated sportsbook app. And you can do that now to, and use the code DMVR when you sign up. Because for a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter the code DNVR when you sign up. 
Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. So, um, that's almost all of the background that you need. Um, but now, now we're jumping into the Washington State stuff. So, yesterday, and, and 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 let me start here. This is this these stories started coming out during that Avalanche game. So probably right around four ish. I think it was maybe a little bit before the Avalanche game. Right around four o'clock yesterday on Sunday, um, we learned that uh, there was a Washington State player who is no longer. Or he he was asked to clean out his locker is what we heard um and we heard that he was a part of this pac-12 unity group so up to this point we, we'd heard from some of the players on social media we'd heard from the group as a whole in the players tribune post um and i guess we'd heard some reporters who had a little more information but not all that much at this point what we hadn't heard is much of anything at all from the pac-12 from any of the Pac-12 coaches, from any of the athletic directors. I don't know, and there could be a tweet somewhere that I missed, but I'm pretty plugged into the Pac-12, and I saw nothing from anybody um, related with the other side, um, the side that uh, would be giving up some ground here. Um, and that changed. Um well, and not even like directly. It's not like Nick Rolovich came out and said anything. Um, we just heard that there was a player who turns out he has sickle cell disease. He was planning on uh, opting out of the season because of the sickle cell. And, you know, the, the, the audio of the phone call with Nick Rolovich was leaked. Um, and we should make a quick note. So, Washington is a two party state. That means if uh, you're on the phone with somebody, uh, or it's not even just on the phone. If you're recording somebody, you have to tell that person you're recording them. That's just the law there. Um, and I would Im imagine that that law was not followed because the football player did record um, the conversation and that conversation has been leaked. Uh, if, if you guys want to find it, I'm sure you can find it. Um, I, it's on SoundCloud, but that's not the easiest website to navigate. At least I don't spend much time there, so I don't know how. Um, if you search on Twitter, I'd guess it'd, it'd pop up. Um, but I do think it's important. It's like a five-minute phone call. And in the same way I think it's important to listen to that phone call, I think it's important also to read the We Are United post with an open mind and go into it thinking, okay, you know what? This is a time when we're supposed to be listening. Here's a chance to listen to what these student-athletes think the problems with college athletics are. Um, so it, those would be my two pieces of advice. If, if this podcast is not enough for you, listen to the phone call, read that, and then you can get on Reddit or whatever and find as much as you want about what's going on. Um, but in that phone call, Nick Rolovich, he, he, after he was told that the player was planning on opting out, he said, are you a part of the PAC 12 unity group? And the, the kid said, yeah, I am. Um, and he said, well, you're going to have your scholarship this year, but after that, 
you know, who, who knows? And it, the thing is, Nick Rolovich doesn't speak in a very clear way. It, it isn't uh, a lot of his sentences just kind of trail off. But and that's why I kind of think it's important for you to listen, because it isn't necessarily him saying, like, you're off the team for it. But it's him saying, like, ah, you're, you're, I'm not sure if you're going to have a place here. Stuff like that. Um, talking. Yeah. So. It was, it was a bad look, and there are some people who say, hey, it wasn't that bad of a look compared to what people were saying, you know, that, that the player was kicked off, that he was told to clean out his locker because of uh, his stance um, with the, you know, hashtag we are united group, um, but it, it, the conversation does certainly take a turn um, when that Pac-12 unity group is brought up. And, uh, you know, there, there have been reports that other Washington State players have been told to clean out their lockers or that they aren't playing or whatever um, because uh, they are a part of that group. Um, those reports have been denied. Um, this is where it's fuzzy right now through, through every phase of this, you know, it's, it seems like every few hours there's one part that is new and also fuzzy and, and one of one fuzzy part that kind of gets cleared up. And right now this is kind of the big question is what is uh, up with this? You know, Pete Thamel yesterday tweeted the situation at Washington State boils down to this. Players who've requested to opt out of the season can't take part in any team activities. You can't choose to opt out for health and safety reasons and still lift practice and be in locker room weight room um again a lot of these reporters their sources are in the athletics department you know the over time because that's where people stay if you know somebody who works in whatever area of the athletics department there's a good chance they're going to be there a few years down the line and you can go back to them you know athletic directors but those relationships are important you know, coaches and so reporters, uh, particularly in college sports, their sources are the, the coaches and the administrators. That means that a lot of the information that comes out is, you know, it, it's not that the reporters want to be biased or leaning toward those people just to like make them happy or whatever, but it is true that that's the side of the story that they're hearing. And even if they say, okay, I'm only hearing this side of the story, they aren't hearing the other side and their assumptions could be wrong or whatever. And so I would say just keep that in mind as we follow this. Um, I, I think in terms of just like straight up information and facts and stuff, we've pretty much got this whole thing uh, covered and it only took, let's see, 26 minutes and 50 seconds. So uh, good job, everybody. Uh, I want to move on now, though, not from the issue, but from just like the straight up facts. And again, like I've said, we've kind of had a few days to think about this and we've kind of just had information build and build and build. And at this point, you know, I I don't know exactly where I stand, um, but I do know that this is, in my opinion, a very good thing for college sports. Um, I think that. You know, if you just look at what's going on with the schools making so much money, bringing in 
so, 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 so much money. Um, and the student athletes getting none of it. You know, you, you can talk about the the scholarship they get and say, well, that's technically worth $50,000, but to plenty of student athletes, that education is not worth $50,000. And I mean, it's not hard to see why. I, I mean, first of all, the easiest answer is to look at what's happening to former college football players. And, you know, if, if you don't make it to the NFL, which is 98% of them, where do you end up? And a lot of these student athletes end up where they were before. If you came from a good background, you're probably right back there doing something that will mean that your kids have a good background. You know, that, that income will probably stay the same. If you come from somewhere with a bad background, you're probably winding up there too. That's just the way it works. Um, you know, we've, we've heard the story of, of Katie Nixon. Um, he, he was told it during the march uh, that he helped organize uh, after the death of George Floyd. And he said, you know, I, I, I was living on coaches' couches. That, that's not a, a good way to grow up. And when you do come from those situations, and he's not from the greatest area in DeSoto, Texas. You know, same thing for Visca, same thing for a whole bunch of these guys. And it's not like that's the one place that's bad. There, there are plenty of places where there are a lot of lower income people, and, and those schools are typically underfunded. It's just a fact that black schools or schools with a predominantly black student population are underfunded and and their outcomes for their students are typically not as good because they don't have the same teachers, because they don't pay them, because the infrastructure isn't the same. For all of whatever reasons, that is something that has been proven over and over again and, you know, it hasn't really been changed. And, and when you come from those tougher backgrounds, and again, a lot of student athletes, a lot of football players in particular come from those tougher backgrounds, you, you spend a lot of your time in college catching up. You know, that, that first year, a, a lot of it is, hey, get up to speed. And that's not true for all the guys, but for a lot of them, it is. And when you leave with just a degree, with just a piece of paper, you know, for, for me, I felt like the, the piece of paper was most of the reason I was going to college. You know, I felt like I was smart. I didn't need help learning how the world works or any of that kind of stuff. I felt like I just needed a piece of paper that was like them certifying like Henry's capable. For a lot of people, they need the education. And, and when you're a student athlete, you know, that education isn't always worth fifty thousand dollars you know i spent a lot of time in college covering the golf team because it was like a super fun group and they were uh, like the stories were fun because they gave me like more access and all that kind of stuff but they said it's hard to be a good student when every monday tuesday or i i think no it's more weekend i think every Friday, Saturday is a tournament. Thursday is a travel day. Um, and then a lot of the times you have two-day tournaments during the week. And so I, I think for the most part, they alternate between like Friday, Saturday tournament. And then the next week would be like a Wednesday, Thursday tournament with travel days and all that kind of stuff. You wind up missing a whole lot of school. Uh, and that's just the way that it works. You know, you're not sitting in class hearing those lectures all the time. And sure, it's like excuse. So you get your path to the degree. That's... That's not the same education that a lot of students are getting. And, you know, 
you do what you can. And I don't want this to feel like it's put on the CU, like CU's doing a bad job. It def that's not the case. You know, you've seen the investments that they've made in all of the academic centers, in all the tutors they bring in. They do a very good job compared to the rest of the Pac-12, compared to a lot of college athletics departments. The truth is the system is just set up in a way that makes it hard to get positive outcomes for students. That's just the truth. It's not like a CU thing. It's the way everything works. And that's kind of like this fundamental flaw of college football that is kind of being brought to the forefront. You know, right now they're making so much money. Student athletes are making so much money, bringing in so much money that there has, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, where else do you see uh, so obviously that the money is coming from this group of players? And, you know, there's the, there's the support staff that is so, so, so important, and they are critical to making things worth and work, and the coaches and, and so many different pieces. You know, it's not to belittle what they do, but when you look at the NFL – and see, hey, they're able to pay these players this much money. I don't know. Again, nowhere else do you see the prime, like most important people in the entire organization, the ones who do the most to bring the money in, because that's what the football players are, and there is no way around it. They are the ones out on the field. They are the ones that people are watching, and that's what's bringing the money in. People watching is where the money comes from. They're watching the student-athletes. They're not watching the coaches. They're not watching whoever else. That's that's just the truth, and because of the way this system was built to, I mean, exploit student-athletes, they don't get a cut. And if this had been different at the beginning of college sports, if, if when college sports started in 1910 or whenever it was, they'd said, yep, we're just going to give you guys like whatever minimum wage is and let you guys play. Then at this point, student athletes would be making the lot of money. They'd be making a whole lot of money as revenues grown. They would their share would be increasing. But that's not how it worked. This whole model was built on not giving student-athletes money, and, you know, it's led to excess in other areas. You know, one of the complaints of this group is, like, why are you spending so much money on putting TVs in every locker, putting Xboxes everywhere, you know, buying Lazy Rivers, this sort of thing that, you know... It's so easy to say, well, you guys are choosing the schools that have those things, and it's like, well, yeah... But, but that's been like this whole flaw. This is why student-athletes haven't been able to form a group to make something happen because as much as they'd like to say, okay, let's just change all this. If, if, if every recruit in a recruiting class said, we're going to agree until you like move this money from this area uh, of basically frivolous spending to something that helps us more realistically – it, I mean, that's what it would take. Otherwise, when it's just a one-off scenario, you are one recruit. Are you going to pick the place that has it or the pick the place that doesn't? Because those are your options. You don't have an option that is, this place doesn't have an Xbox in every locker, but we do get to pay you. 
that just doesn't exist. So of course they're going to go to the place that actually does have that because your option is have that or not have that. And you want to have that. Is that worth what it costs to put in? No. Would those student athletes be better off if they had that in cash? Yes. Especially right now when so many of their families are struggling because so many of them do come from those backgrounds because like they, they there's almost this responsibility. They feel like, should I be getting a job instead of this so that I can help my family through these really tough times? It's, I mean, you need something like this to force student athletes to come together and do what they're doing. It's um, it's a messy situation and it's complicated. And you know, the, the reason it's going to be so hard to come to an agreement here is because it's just festered for a hundred years. And now there are a hundred years of policies and a hundred years of things built up. And you know, whatever LSU has in their locker rooms, whether it's like the TV or the Xboxes or Lazy River, I think they have, they have like a slide or something like whatever that is. They're still kind of paying that off. Like <laughs> there's still debt there. And now it's hard to say, oh, 50% of the revenue makes sense. Like coaches should not be making $5 million while the people on the field are making literally nothing. But is any coach going to say, okay, that makes sense to me. Let's cut my salary in half because all the other coaches will cut our salaries in half and we can redistribute this the way it would have normally naturally been distributed if everything had just been allowed to work freely for the last hundred years up to this point. Like that is the problem that is going on now is that it is hard to just restructure all of college athletics and good on these Pac-12 student athletes for saying that's not a good enough reason. Change is hard is not a good enough reason for us to be treated the way we're treated. And, and you know, there's the whole there's the, you know, nobody's forcing you to play argument. But again, for a lot of them, this is the option. This is the only, only option. It's this or go get a job because you can't afford an education on your own because your test scores aren't good enough to get a good enough scholarship to just be a student because you're coming from a bad school because of all these different reasons, because there's no minor league football team where you can just go actually make money, even if it's a tiny amount of money like it would be playing minor league baseball, that's just not even on the table. You know, that's not a thing that's even possible. Their only option if they want to be a football player is to be a college football player, even if it's a bad deal, even if they aren't getting what they deserve. And and now they're saying, you know what? Yeah, nobody's forcing us to play, so we won't play because it's gotten this bad. And sure, it takes like a pandemic and all this stuff for it to not be good enough for us, but it's time to make a change. And, you know, where this all lands, who knows? And it's I think at some point today, we're going to start to hear from, you know, maybe, maybe Larry Scott, maybe from all the coaches. You know, in that phone call, Nick Rolovich said he was going to have a team meeting today. Who knows where that's going to go? But this is, I mean, it's good to see people stick up for themselves. And, you know, I, I understand people are coming from the position of, do you see what's going on with these athletic departments? They don't have money. Like they, they're forced to fire people. People are losing their jobs. And is it tone deaf for them to be asking for money? I don't think so. Um, 
and, and this is one of the parts where I, you know, I am on the fence about it. But where I stand as of right now, no, I, I don't think that's a bad idea. Because if I, I don't think this is a scenario where you just say, hey, we want this one thing. I, we want to be uh, protected from COVID-19. We want to have player-approved health and safety standards enforced by a third party selected by players to address COVID-19, as well as serious injury, abuse, and death. That is that is the way it should be. The student-athletes should have some sort of representation in these talks. It shouldn't just be the conference. It shouldn't just be the people with all the power saying, hey, this is how it works. This is what we've decided is best for you. They should be able to be a part of that conversation. But at the same time, they've never had a voice before. And if you just go in there saying, hey, this is the one thing we want, we want these safety standards, I think it'd kind of be a waste. I think that when you go in there, you say, these are all the things we want. This is what needs to change. This is where we see the flaws in college sports. This is the reason why we think this is a terrible system. And, you know, it's not a good system if half the people, the people who it's kind of built around, don't like it. Like, that's just so obvious. I think that you have to come out with a full list of demands and say, here's everything that's wrong with college football, and here's how we would fix it. And that's what they did. And they're not going to get all of this. Who knows? The Pac-12 could just put their head in the sand and say, you're not getting any of it. We make the rules here. We don't care if we lose 400 football players. We'll just cancel the season because we want the power. And if they throw that temper tantrum, I think that that would be a bad look. And the student athletes would win over even more people than the majority that I think they already have won over. In the end, I, I, I do think that this group is going to have some sort of conversation. I think that, who knows, maybe it's the 12 players who are listed as media contacts get to sit down with Larry Scott, with the CEO group, um, and say, this is what we want. And they negotiate a deal. I, I don't think they're getting all of this. I don't think they're getting most of this. But I do think that they are going to get, you know, we're talking about the safety standards. I think they'll get that. I think things like um, being able to go back to college if you don't get drafted. There's no, I mean, the only reason that rule is in place that you can't go to the draft and then come back to school if you don't get drafted, that's to blackmail students into not going to the draft. That's like saying, hey, you want to take that risk, go ahead, but we're not going to have your back. And that is the shady stuff that happens in college football and college sports all across the board. And it it shouldn't be that way. You know, that's another one they'll get. Are they going to get 50% of each sport's total conference revenue split evenly among the athletes in that sport? No, I don't think so. I think there's a chance that maybe they, they do get 10%. And I think there's a bigger chance that the Pac-12 says, hey, we, we promise we will meet again next year because of the way the NCAA works. We just can't make this happen right now. <sighs> Medical insurance lasting six years after college. And how crazy is it that student athletes can tear an ACL and not I mean, have to pay for it themselves? Like, it's there will be discussions and there will be concessions on both ends. But if you go into a, a, a discussion, into a negotiation saying, what we want is to have our voices heard when it comes to the COVID-19 policies in the Pac-12, then the Pac-12 is going to talk that down into, eh, you'll kind of get your voices heard, but not really. Maybe we'll make one little tweak here and we can say we appeased you and uh, give you basically half there. So you, you you explain everything that you want, everything that you think you need, everything that you think makes this situation fair, 
and then you negotiate it out and, and you hear what they have to say. And, and until we see the student athletes kind of do what the college football has always done, which is say, no, my way or the highway. You don't like it. You don't have to play, you know, and, until we see something like that from them. I think that at least for me, I, I'm on their side. I, I think that as it stands now, they, they, they have not done anything wrong. And that's why I think I find myself siding with them is that, you know, I don't think anybody who listens to this podcast has positive feelings about the NCAA or maybe even about the Pac-12. And I think that those are for a whole bunch of reasons, including the reasons that these players are outlining because they are being exploited. And that is not a debate. They are being exploited. And until the student athletes take like a wrong step, I think that they should get the benefit of the doubt. They should get the public support because we've seen college football be exploitative for who knows how long, decades at least, maybe a century. <sighs> so that's what's been on my mind, I guess. Um, I am curious to hear what you have to say because, again, this is kind of uncharted territory and we've we've had these conversations before. Should student-athletes be paid? And... Typically, I've said, ah, I just don't know how it works. They are worth being paid. But again, the way the system is set up, it's hard to dismantle a system. And that's what this would take because all this money would need to be redirected. But, you know, college coaches don't need to be making $5 million, $6 million in a very fair, very free market. If that's how everything had been built for the last hundred years since college football was invented, they would be making half of that and half that money would be going to the student athletes. That's how I see this. And that's why I think that it's pretty clear that the system is exploitative because yeah, I, I think I've made my points, but I don't know more than anything. Maybe this is because I'm only 23, but when I see a group of 18 to 22 year olds get together and say, we're willing to make sacrifices. We're willing to risk the millions of dollars we could potentially make in the NFL to do what's right for the people around us right now, but also for decades and decades going forward. That just makes me really happy. And yeah, I think that that sums up my feelings more than anything just young people doing things that are the right things and and making the world better for people in their situations going forward um yeah i think that'll do it for today um again if you have any thoughts about this any questions any whatever i'd be curious to hear them um and uh, again, I, I get that we don't all agree here. And uh, as uh, I've tried to make clear, I want to be as open-minded about this as possible. I, I still haven't like firmly decided, here's what needs to happen. But what I will say is that I'm happy with how these student athletes have handled it so well. And, and publishing the piece in the Players' Tribune, you know, having a group come forward and say, 
we'll put our names out there and we'll take whatever risks that come along with that. And by them doing that, protecting the however many others that are in that group chat, reported 400 others in that group chat and say, hey, let's not get everybody retaliated against if we don't have to. You know, even down to that point, I think that this has been very well done. And, you know, I think their demands make sense. 50% of each sport's total conference revenue, that's what the every pro league is built off of. You know, that's that's what the salary cap in the NFL, in the NBA, in all these leagues is set based on. You know, the, the salary cap in the NFL fluctuates based on what, I think they actually only get like 49% because, you know, the owners, you know, you know how rich people are. But but basically it is just 49% of the cap and there's a little, or 49% of the revenue is what the salary cap is. And uh, there is like some other stuff that goes along with that. And like, it's like the massive piece of a formula with a couple other pieces thrown in there. But it's what's fair. It's what's fair. Do you think that the student athletes do 50% of the work? There you go. There you go. Um I don't know. It's uh it's something we'll be talking about a lot going forward because it's important to talk about and because it's what's going on. Like I said, I really do want to hear from you guys. Um and let me know what you think. We'll uh probably jump right back into this tomorrow with a whole bunch more information. Um I'll see you then. Okay, so I, I lied and uh I read back through this and realized there was one other point in this that I did want to talk about. Um, I was thinking about saving for tomorrow, but then I was like, I might as well jump in, just throw everything into this podcast. And that is where they say that this is the most economically valuable part of their life. Yes. And that's something that I hadn't thought about. But actually, let's just read their line. Uh, Because unjust rules prevent the 98% of college football and basketball players who won't go pro from capitalizing economically on what would otherwise be the most valuable years of our lives, including many black players from low-income homes. We are united. Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, how much money are they worth? Again, I always go back to that Texas football study that's from like five or six years ago now, so they're probably worth more, but they found that to their school, to college football, they're worth over $100,000 each, average. First through 100th on the roster, scholarship players, walk-ons, on average, worth hundred grand. Does that mean they're going to get that? No. I think, like, when this all ends, I, I think that they'll probably get, like, five grand, ten grand a piece, whatever, just, you know, to make things easier. The, the point here that I'm trying to make, though, is that unless these guys are becoming doctors or something of that caliber i mean and again they're asking for the six-year scholarship they still couldn't even get their doctorate degree they for the most part this definitely is the most valuable time in their life this is the work that they're doing that is worth the most and they're not getting paid for it They're, they're getting an education which you know how much of an education are they really getting is it worth as much as they're paying or, you know, I don't think that education is worth what the average student pays. If I'm being totally honest, like again, my experience at UM, it was great. And I learned a lot of things that are important and that I still use today, 
was it worth 20 grand, 30 grand? Luckily I had scholarships, so I didn't have to pay that, but no, no, not, not at all. Not at all. Um, and for student athletes, like I said before, even less so. So yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to head out. Appreciate you. I'll see you tomorrow.